Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Well, last night we ended on the media bus, and today, following the women's singles final, you find us inside an enormous car in Greenwich Village. We've just uh, we're a bit late today because we've uh, we've just been in the company of Mary Carrillo and uh, having a a lovely little time with with her before we recorded the podcast. Um, Catherine's here, Matt's here. Um, it's it's been uh, it's been lovely, hasn't it? And it's been a lovely day because. Uh, we had a really good final in the end, Catherine, I thought. Second set between Igor Fiontek and uh, Ons Jaber. For about 45 minutes, I think you got the rivalry you're always talking about that, that you want. Yes, and I'm very torn between celebrating that and l- lamenting there not being more of it, quite frankly. And uh, rather than repeat myself, um, because... My appearance on this podcast might be rather brief. It, it'll last however long this rather luxurious Uber Uber ride lasts, because um, David apparently only orders f- SUVs with tinted windows. <laughs> I, I just wanted to have a go at being cool. Safety first. Um, yeah, yeah. I won't repeat myself. I'll just refer back to everything I said about um, the Garcia Jabir match. Uh, on women's semi-finals night and the fact that women should be playing best of five sets in uh, this stage of Islam because the matches would be better the matches would be better and Ons would have had more of a chance to make a match of it today because she needed time to settle it was a tough watch for the for the first set um, and that, there's obviously two factors involved in that and one of those is the force that is Iga Svantec in finals and I, I, I think it's Iga Svantec's final record going all the way back to Polona Herzog in 2019 is one of the most incredible stats in tennis at the moment and a really meaningful stat you know there's a lot of stats that are quirky or fun you know a bit whimsical just sort of you know throw away 
there's that of her not having lost a set in a final since she became a Grand Slam champion. That's that's ten and O now, twenty sets and no lost sets. That is such a powerful statistic. Um, something happens to Igor Svantec in finals. And what, what is it? What does happen? Do we think? It's strange because she seems to stop doubting herself. Um, and I just sort of think, oh, well, if you're, ca- if you're capable of that, why not just do that all the time? Um, but, I don't know, maybe... Maybe it's deadline. Maybe, I was just going to say, maybe it's deadline pressure. Maybe it's, you know, some people are just those people that, unless unless it's due the next day, they can't get their arse in gear. <laughs> she, doesn't, she doesn't strike me as one of those people, but, but maybe she is. Um... She kind. She was kind. She was kind of asked about it, Matt, in a press conference, wasn't she? I. What do you do in the run up to a final? I got the sense the idea was to try to get to the bottom of 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 where this comes from. Yeah, and she said that she hates the days before a final. That she's actually quite stressed, and she does have doubts. Uh, but. Yeah, something happens when she steps on the court in the final and all that goes away. And actually, this was the most astonishing one yet, I think, because she hadn't been playing anywhere close to this level during the tournament. You know, we've talked about her Roland Garros finals. Well, they were preceded by really incredible, dominant performances during the tournament. This was preceded by not her best performances leading up you know she was doubting herself and she didn't have full control of the ball and all all of those things we've talked about for the full two weeks just went away as soon as she stepped on the court today she was three love up in eight minutes and the intensity of her footwork I thought was better her strike on the ball was cleaner and it was eager Sviantek in the final and I thought it might happen but to see it from the position she had been in all tournament was was absolutely astonishing and a, a marker of that is who she is in finals. Uh, and it was six two three one at one stage. There was there was a moment in the second set in the sorry in the first set where Anshabur did reel off two games in a row, Catherine, but she was having to play lights out tennis to to reel off a couple of points in a row, wasn't she? And 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 the fact that that didn't end up being a blowout of a match is a great credit to Jabert. Yeah, it, it had to be winners, didn't it? Um, she she couldn't really just hang in rallies and, and rely on forced errors or or unforced errors from the Shontek racket. Those just weren't happening. And yeah, it was quite, it was a bit reminiscent of the fourth set with Alcaraz and Tiafo last night that she was twice a breakdown. Jabur in that second set and twice twice broke back um, and forced that tie break and it felt like she had the f- the weight of momentum behind her going into that tie break and I'm sure we will talk or you perhaps will talk um, in some detail about that slightly bizarre tie break very enthralling but slightly odd in, in some ways I think it is it, it, she she again similarities to Tiafe she was looking a bit down and out and a bit lost at the start of that second set she had a slight well, what can I do it's not happening for me demeanour about her um, and I don't know whether it was experience or 
Melanie Maillard, her, her mental coach sitting in her box, but she summoned something on Strabur. And it might be that something which enables her to follow through on her promise after the match that she will win one of these one day. And the curve would suggest she will. Yeah, a bit like Tiafo said the other the, the day before, wasn't it? I, I quite like that when it's not somebody else saying, oh, you'll win one one of these days. It's them saying, no, I will. Yes, and I feel more confident that Jabir will than Tiafo. I... I would I would love Tiafo's um foresight to to come true not foresight prediction for himself to to come true but if I had to predict one of those um who will be the Martin Martina Hingis of the future I'd be more likely to go for Tiafo rather than I think Jabir what I'm trying to say is I think Jabir is going to win one of these I do but I think she might have to get a bit better first and I I think there might be a bit of a lag in this, but I think Sviontek is going to bring players up behind her. I think she's raising the bar now. Um, and what something that Greg Rosetsky was saying, and Jim Curry agreed with him in our post-match analysis on Prime Video, was that her shots don't have a particularly high anxiety tolerance. When she gets tight, they are prone to going off the boil. And some people's technique is more prone to it than others. And Greg thinks he needs she needs to develop um ways to put more spin on the ball reliably so that when she is tight it doesn't all dramatically fall apart in 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 the way that it did in in the opening stages of the match today and I back her to do all that her whole career has been steady progression hasn't it I think I think there might be a period of Schwiontek dominance and and a, a period of adjustment from the rest of the tour but she'll pull the rest up behind her. That's that's how progress happens. Uh, I I did think that point about the 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 sort of margin for error and the lack of spin that she has on the ball. Whilst it it causes the damage, it does the damage to the opponent, and that's how she kind of forced her way back into it. You saw it even in the last three points of the match. Matt, she kind of lifted four hands long. There was just no control in those really tight match moments. I think. Catherine's right there you know there was a stiffness to the to the shots and you can, you can kind of understand it but how close did it feel to you in the second set you were, you were in the stadium watching all of that match was there a moment in the match where you thought I could genuinely see this turning around now definitely and actually the two sets were mirror images of each other well they were carbon copies of each other I should say because three love Sviontek, Jabir got the break back, Sviontek broke again, and then in the first set she went on to win it 6-2. The exact same thing happened at the start of the second set. It was three love Sviontek, and she actually had two break points for four love, and it felt over to me at that point. Jabir double-faulted to go 15-40 down, three love down. I thought it was a matter of time. Jabir got the break back, Sviontek broke again, and I thought, okay, well, we're, we're, it's happening again. It's a, it's a copy of the first set. But then Jabir broke back, and that stage from the middle of the second set right up to the tie break, I genuinely thought Jabir had a chance of pinching that set. Um, she started to serve better. She was serving really poorly in the first set, and it, it took like a set and a half for Sviontek to miss a return. Like, it was relentless from Sviontek. Jabir was just struggling to hold, struggling to hold. But 
Jaberga into the match, I felt like Sviontek's level dropped quite a lot from from where it was at the beginning. And I did feel, and I think the stadium felt, like Jabur really had a chance of turning that around. She saved a match point, which just only helped her to grow in confidence going into the tie break. But then, as, as Catherine alluded to, it was a really messy tie break. I think there were 12 points, nine of them against the serve, and most of them unforced errors. There was one incredible Shvontek forehand up the line towards the end, which sort of sealed it, but... It was it was tight, and that was both ends. Like Sviontek was was kind of a little bit there for the taking in that in that latter portion of the second set. I did feel of the seven points won by Iga Sviontek in that tie break, six were forehand errors by Onsjabur, and one was a forehand winner from Sviontek herself. Wow! And what was going on with the racket at the set point? I don't know. Well, t- t- tell, us, tell us what happened, Matt. It was match point. Match point, okay. It was on the Jabur serve, it was Sviontek's match point, and she changed her racket. Uh, Sviontek did. Yeah, which is something she's been doing a lot the whole tournament. She's been switching rackets, changing tensions, getting rackets sent off to be restrung. It's been a bit curious, to be honest, how often she's done it. But I've never seen someone do it literally just before their match point. And there was quite a lot of talk on on Twitter mainly about whether it was gamesmanship and whether it was to try and put on Shabur off. Well, Shabur said she didn't even notice because, I mean, Shviontek did do it very quickly and it didn't work because she then missed a backhand, Shviontek. But she said that she felt like she wanted to do it earlier but she was doubting herself because some umpires have told her that she shouldn't be doing it so much but she just put her foot down and said no I am going to do it I need a new racket my strings are are losing tension but yeah I I don't I don't really understand it to be honest it it could be because the balls have got into her head I I don't know I mean this whole (laughs) tournament I feel like Craig Tizer must be watching it thinking Maybe Ash Barty could have won the USO. <laughs> like, champions just, right? Igor <laughs> Sviontek said in her press conference that Toronto, Cincinnati, yeah, she wasn't used to the balls. But as this tournament has gone on, she has got more and more used to them. And as we saw today, she's perfectly capable of controlling this ball. And, and she said, you know, exactly that. That I am... She's, I know I'm capable of doing anything, really, adjusting to any ball. It's just that it's not necessarily ideal. It was a, it was kind of a lovely little sort of humble brag, really, wasn't it? That, that she she wasn't trying to brag, but it's just so obvious she, that she's that good. She can still do it. Um, but, I mean, it, it is an interesting storyline when you consider it from the tournament that that was such a... That, that put such doubt in all of our minds at the start of the tournament, didn't it? And yet here she is, holding the trophy. Well, that and New York, you know, and Shvontek saying that she's not a big fan of the crazy and the noise and the buzz. And those two factors combined really made me think Shvontek wasn't going to win this title. And that, I think, is what ends up making this, I don't want to say her most impressive slam, because she won the 2020 covid french open out of nowhere it was it was incredible what she did there and she backed up 
you know, this year's Roland Garros, it was the exclamation point of her streak, wasn't it? And there was a lot of pressure on her. But this one's very different because I think she came in with still expectation on her as the world number one, but doubts, you know, about whether she's comfortable on Ash. And she hasn't played her best tennis this, this whole tournament, and she still won it. And that is the real mark of a champion. And Catherine said, I feel like we're ready for a period of Svantec dominance. I mean, we're in it. She, she is a she is a dominant world number one. Yeah, because we, we've had a lot recently of players playing their best for the period of Grand Slam tournament and winning it and being incredibly impressive and us not really knowing what it means or what to do with it in terms of projecting into the future. And this feels extremely different, doesn't doesn't it? it it's and I, and I I think back to. The Australian Open for Iga Swiatek at the start of the year and her battle with perfectionism that she was having, she was telling us about in the in the press conference room. You know that that was kind of her her battlefield for the year, um, and she's just won a Grand Slam on a hard court, playing, I think, actually pretty far from her best. Amazing to think that, isn't it? And I think that's, I mean, it's its not necessarily the battle won, because battles aren't won forever. But I, I certainly think it's, you know, she's clearly broken the back of what was her her Achilles heel. Yeah, and it, I mean, in the first answer that she gave in the press conference, she talked about how proud she felt of herself, that she'd managed to win it playing like this, because, like you say, she just she knew this wasn't this wasn't her best tennis um and uh goodness knows what she might do when she gets to the australian open where she likes the balls (laughs) (laughs) yes she does she does like the balls and how about this we've arrived have we we have well, we've got out the uh, we've got out the taxi. I'm going to take this opportunity uh, while Catherine's waiting for her next taxi to pick her up to uh, just remind you about our competition for AO Travel and the chance for you to win a uh, win a trip to the Australian Open, two return economy flights, tickets for four days for you and a guest if you're a friend of the tennis podcast, um, accommodation and a premium travel experience. They've got some amazing stuff. They've got wine tasting experiences they've got behind the scenes tours at the australian open they've got rod laver arena walk-ons all available at ao travel just go to ozopentravel.com that's a-u-s open travel.com go and check out what they've got and also become a friend of the tennis podcast if you'd like to enter our competition you've got until friday the 16th of september so Catherine has got two minutes until her taxi comes Catherine, is Ons Jabeur going to be a Grand Slam champion? And if so, how long do you think it takes? Oh, I was just going to say yes, but please don't ask me to put a timeline on it. Um, in the next... In the next year. I think she'll win one next year. 2023, Catherine says Ons Jabeur, Grand Slam champion. Yes, y- yes, yes. Yes, I do. Okay, well that's good. Nice and punchy. Could someone, could someone agree with me <laughs> to make me feel better, Matt? I could get on board with that. I mean, she said that it took her a while to win her first WTA title. So she's treating this like that. You know, it's, it's going to take experience to try and 
win her first Grand Slam title. It was it was odd how different this was to her Wimbledon final, where she started well at, at Wimbledon and then faded. And here it was kind of the opposite. But I I quite like the fact that she grew into this one. It, this one, in a way, gives me more confidence. I think. Uh, I mean, I think Wimbledon feels like a big opportunity because Sviontek's struggling at Wimbledon. She's beaten her at Wimbledon. Yeah, exactly. So, I, I, I just, look, she's reached this on a hard court. She can play on anything. That's her great gift. She's going to be a threat everywhere. But I still think those natural surfaces, clay and, and grass, are a great time for Anstjabur. Just before we wave you off into the distance, Catherine, can we have a, a quick view on tomorrow's men's singles final, please? Carlos Alcraz against Kaspar Ruud. What are you thinking? I do think Carlos Alcaraz will win. Um, but if you told me before the tournament it's going to be Carlos Alcaraz and Casper Ruud in the final, I'd have gone, oh, crikey. Well, Alcaraz is going to crunch him. And I don't, I don't feel that way about it. I have, I've learned a lot about Casper Ruud this fortnight. I feel like he might have learned a lot about himself. Um, and he's... Sounds really patronising to say he's gone up in my estimations as if he spent two weeks sort of trying to prove himself to me. Um, but I think a lot more of him as a tennis player. I do actually need your newsletter prediction for <laughs> Casperud versus Carlos Alcaraz and the number of sets, please. So what are you saying? <laughs> We're going to bleep this bit out. Are we? There's no point in being in the newsletter otherwise, is there? Well, there's plenty of other predictions in the newsletter. In the newsletter, Alcaraz in four. Night. Perfect. Thank you. Good night. Night. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash boast. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. You may know that I'm into my cooking and I particularly like it when Catherine and Matt come to Solihull for meetings so that I can, you know, show off with my culinary talent. However, even I can do with a bit of help sometimes and being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and cook times is pretty appealing to me and Home Chef's meals, well, they're effortless. 
Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. It's economical too. Home Chef customers save on average $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com forward slash tennis. That's homechef.com forward slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. homechef.com forward slash tennis and you must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. So, there goes Catherine into the night. <laughs> and she's going to go and, uh, and sleep up ahead of a, a big day um, at, uh, at the US Open. She's going to be presenting uh, Prime Video's coverage in the UK, um, which, uh, which should be interesting. I mean, and, and look, I do think the fact that it is best of five, I mean, we've talked about this over the years. I think today was, was a perfect case in point. This, this match on Stuber against Igor Fiontek just about got away with it, Matt, because Jabir was running out of time there. It was 6-2, it 3-1, was and had it ended up 6-2, 6-1, I wouldn't have been surprised. I think it's a great credit to Jabir that she managed to make something of that. But had she known going in that that was a best-of-five set final, I think she's more relaxed I think she's probably able to go for a shots more and and not get three love down necessarily in eight minutes. She might have done, but I definitely think it's a it's a factor. And even if she doesn't start well enough, she's just got more time to turn it around and make a match of it. Yeah, I mean, I suppose people who are perfectly fine with best of three will say, well, she did turn it around. So there is time to find your game and make a match of it but it was it was right at its best point wasn't it when the match stopped and I, it's, it's interesting because I do think best of three is really suiting Sviontek and that approach she takes in the final this idea of on deadline it's, it's like she's in a rush it's like she's got an hour of the most majestic tennis and can I get the match won in that time and it she almost did it today. She almost, you know, she was up a set and a break, and it felt like that was it. But she just got reined in, and, and it became a real match. Uh, but yeah, look, we've said it before. I, I like best of three tennis. I don't have a problem with best of three tennis, but I don't see what the harm would be in in letting these women play best of five as well for these showpiece matches to elevate them when all the eyes, all the attention, all the TV coverage is on that one match and you want to avoid a blowout, you don't want... I mean, that could have been off the court in 50 minutes. And, I mean, you do sometimes get blowouts in best of five and then it's, and then it's a sort of really slow death and that's painful as well. But we do see it a lot that a player gets tight at the start and they don't have the, the time, the runway that the men do to get into it. You're certainly giving it more chance, aren't you? You are, exactly. I, I was quite taken by Anshabur's press conference and she looked composed. I mean, she, did, she said that after the Wimbledon final, what, she was asked, well, what did you do? You know, what did you do to recover? Well, she says, well, the first thing I did was cry, cry a lot and let the emotion out. And 
and that's fine you know that's part of coming to terms with these these results and um and then she took a bit of time and but she said with this you know i i mean i often think this it's so soon after the 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 match both for the winner and the loser to to make any sense of anything to to make any kind of prognostication for the future or what are you going to do next i mean most of the winners are, are thinking i just want to go and lie in a dark room i mean actually sviantek said I'm going to go to the theatre, but she wouldn't tell us which theatre because she said, I, I just kind of want to be on my own. I don't want to be left alone. For and she's not trying to be mean to anyone. You know, she's got this enormous support. I mean, it was, it was incredible out in the public area at the US Open today when she came out and she went to the ESPN studios and she's sitting there with, uh, I think Darren Cahill was there and, and Chris McHenry who's, who's presenting. And, and it's in the public area. So a huge crowd builds around of people wanting to get in the back of the TV shop um, and they were chanting Iga, Iga, Iga there were hundreds of them all in the Polish red and white colours um, with flags it was, it was an amazing sight um, but it did make me realise and reminds me of what Stefan Osidzipas said that when he made his breakthrough at the Australian Open he said I love you Melbourne but please leave me alone and, and, and you can see Sviantek just wanting to kind of disappear into the background for a bit now but for Jabir she said no I've got to I've got to analyse this match I've got to watch it back talk to my psychologist my coach and work out where I let myself down not, not that she she was giving Shvantek all the credit but she obviously thinks there's something that she can do to improve in the future and she's going to do it by being analytical about and, and self-criticise yeah exactly she said she'd give it a few days and then they would get back to work and she laid out her goals pretty clearly she she wants the number one spot you know I know Shvantec is way off into the distance right now but Jabir made the point that she's not got points from Australia because she didn't play that tournament. She went out in the first round of Roland Garros and Wimbledon, there were no points. Like That's a big goal for her next season, to become world number one, chase Fiontech down. And it, you, know, you, can see a, you can see a route to that with Fiontech having to defend so many points, which you know, she may well do that. But yeah, I do, I do really trust Jabir to take this, learn from it, improve from it. That's been her whole career she's got better year on year and the only way you can really get better from this year is finally winning one of these titles and yeah I just just back her the other thing she's got that say somebody like Naomi Osaka hasn't got is a choice of surfaces that she can perform on because at the moment Osaka can't really win on clay she can't really win on grass it's hardcore or nothing even with Sviantec you'd have to say the grass is is a, a weakness um, and I think it's, it will be very interesting to see how, which one, if, if, if at all, which one she breaks through on first. And I, I really wouldn't be surprised if it ends up being clay, personally. I mean, I, I know that there's a strong argument for grass. Um, because, and I probably the, the flat hit on the, the forehand is, is definitely part of that. I mean, and I, I think when we were talking about that, lacking that sort of margin for error and the, the point Greg Grzezewski had made to Catherine, which I do find an interesting one. That's something Barty had that she doesn't at the moment, I would say. 
you know she she was able to just loop that forehand and slice that backhand if she was tight and if she didn't want to be aggressive and uh, creative but she could still be in there you know it's it's a big deal isn't it um, but look Sviantek's a worthy winner I think it's really cool that the world number one has won on, on another surface other than clay now um, that can't be held against her anymore and, and I mean she's going to go into the Australian Open unless something dramatic changes sh- surely is the favourite yeah I think she has to now uh, she came in here I think as the favourite even without having won a Grand Slam on a hard court and yeah this is this is a big deal I think this third major second on a different surface like there are some real historical things she's done you know in terms of like I think she's the eighth youngest woman in the open era to have won three majors she's still only 21 um, I think only Enan and Serena in the last 15 years have won multiple majors in the same year on different surfaces which is something she's now done as well like Igor Fiontek is building an incredible career and I I get the feeling she's really hungry you know she's she wants to win multiple French Open titles she wants to win the Australian Open and do things that she hasn't done yet and she is by far and away the best player in the world at the moment and as we said she won this tournament playing not her best tennis for most of the matches I think she played her best tennis in the first set today I think she was pretty close to it in the last set against Sabalenka but otherwise this is a this is a tournament she's won without that best tennis and that I I'd be pretty scared about that yeah me too well, we stand outside our hotel at the moment, having dropped Catherine off, and uh, th- th- there's some interesting characters around, I can tell you, on a, on a Saturday night at nearly one in the morning. <laughs> this is fun, very entertaining. Um, but, um, yeah, we have Iga Sviantek, at the winner in, in the, the women's singles. We've got the, the men's singles tomorrow um, with Carlos Alcaraz up against Casper uh, Ruud. Um, what do you think Rude needs to do to win that match? Play the match of his life. Make it, well, I was going to say make it long and physical, but Alcaraz's fifth set record is astonishing. But I think if Alcaraz spends two and a bit hours on court tomorrow, he'll have the longest ever, in terms of time, route to a Grand Slam title. He has spent so much time on court, and most of it in the second week. I did think he looked a little bit fatigued at the end against Tiafo. So maybe that. I don't know. I'm I'm finding it hard to see a to see a Rude win unless Alcaraz really drops his level. I mean, what does Rude do better than Alcaraz? When Alcaraz is at his best. I think that is the key. Because I would say, first of all, I think Rude is playing some of the best tennis I've ever seen him play. Certainly on a hard court. For sure. He, he is playing really, really well. And Alcaraz has won their last two matches in straight sets. But Rude is playing better than he was in Miami, for example, I think. Yeah. And, and I'd, I'd be surprised if Rude doesn't turn up. I think it'll be a bit like Jabir today. Second major final. This will be. He hasn't got Rafael Nadal against him on clay. I mean, you know, which is the ultimate challenge. Um, and that was his first one. I, th- I think he'll be he'll be better equipped for this, and he'll play well. There has to be a chance, and 
not that small a chance that Carlos Alcaraz has one of those days where he misses inexplicably large amounts of the time. I mean, that happened a lot against Yannick Sinner at Wimbledon. It happened a lot against Alexander Zverev at Roland Garros. Now, he's in way better form than he was then, but he does play incredibly aggressive tennis. He has had three five-set matches. I do think that that's, that's a possibility. I really do. I agree. I do agree that that is a possibility. So, so I mean, what we're saying is Rude needs to keep in touch, I think. I think so. I've, I, I've heard Rafael Nadal talk about tennis in terms of moments. You know, it, it's, it's a long five-set match, but there are moments within a five-set match where you need to capitalise. And if Alcaraz dips, Rude needs to be with him to take advantage of that. And if Alcaraz is playing really well, Rude just needs to show that he's not going to go away. You know, he needs to keep his, his demeanour up. I mean, it almost sounds like I'm saying Alcaraz is a, is a clear, clear favourite here. I'm, I'm sort of treating him as someone who's won one of these things before. As you said, he hasn't. It's possible. Feels like he has, though. It's possible that, you know, first Grand Slam final, he's not going to play his best. But, yeah, g- game-wise, I just, I like, I like Alcaraz over Ruse. Yeah. So, I mean, so do I. Look, I, I, I think, yeah, I, I'll be going Alcaraz, and you can have a look at your newsletter in order to find out how many sets, I think, because uh, we're only going to give away the Catherine Whitaker prediction here on the podcast. <laughs> um, but it's going to be fascinating to find out. So anyway, sign up to the newsletter. We do them every single day during Grand Slam tournaments, all of them. And we do them weekly throughout the year. And they've got Matt Stat in them. They've got uh, our predictions. They've got um, details of our competition with AO Travel, win a trip to the Australian Open. They've got loads of stuff. Um, so what else happened today, Matt? Because we, when we got in, it was uh, the mixed doubles final. Um, and also we had uh, the wheelchair doubles final. Those matches were both going on. Yeah, we had a lot of matches today, a lot of finals. Uh, the mixed doubles final was won by Storm Sanders and John Piers. They beat uh, Kirsten Flipkins, who is not retired, and Edouard Roger Vasselin in three sets. 10-7 in the match tie break there and then we had a host of wheelchair finals as well the wheelchair men's doubles final was won by Martin de la Puente and Nicola Pifa over Alfie Hewitt and Gordon Reed in three tight sets I, I watched that actually and, uh, and Reed and Hewitt I mean they've won this title five times before they won the first set so actually it's a heck of an achievement for their opponents to turn that around the wheelchair women's doubles final was won by the dominant Dida de Hoot and Anique Van Koot. Uh, the quad wheelchair doubles final was won by Sam Schroeder and Niels on Wheels Vink. And then we had some interesting stories in the juniors as well because uh, we had two junior winners from the Rafa Nadal Academy. Um, Martin Landaluce of Spain... Uh, won the boys and Alexandra Iala won the girls and Alexandra is the first Filipino to win a junior Grand Slam singles title she beat Lucy Havlikova of the Czech Republic 
Uh, so a couple of interesting results there. And in the junior wheelchair event, uh, Jade Moreira Lani of Brazil and Ben Bartram of Britain became the first junior girls and boys wheelchair singles slam champions in history. And then they also won the doubles as well. That's, it's great that that, that that event happened. And, you know, hopefully the other slams will decide to follow suit. And this can be a pathway really for wheelchair players to to get onto the the main circuit and be able to play the tour and and play the the main grand slam tournaments as well it's fantastic what else uh, have we got um tomorrow matt because uh, we've got a, a full order of play as well as the men's singles there are a, a lot of other finals still to come Yes, it starts on Ash with the women's doubles final. Barbara Krejcikova and Katerina Siniakova against Katie McNally and Taylor Townsend. Very intrigued by that one. Then it's the men's singles final on Ash. And on Armstrong, we've got some blockbuster wheelchair singles finals. Shingo Kanida versus Alfie Hewitt. Which is a repeat of Wimbledon, isn't it? The final where Alfie Hewitt served for it several times. I mean, that heartbreaking match. And and Kanida, I mean, he he's in his forties now, and he's hasn't he won something like twenty odd Grand Slam titles? He he's going for the calendar slam, and oh, and no one's done that in the men's wheelchair game. So yeah, that that is the place to be, I think, at midday tomorrow. Uh, also, Dida de Hoot versus Yui Kamiji follows that. And then on the grandstand, a great quad men's singles final, Niels Vink versus Sam Schroeder. Wow. Full day. It really is. If you're going to be at Fleshy Meadows tomorrow, you know, just go and have a look around. Before, If you've got tickets on Arthur Stadium and you, 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 your plan is to go and see Carlos Alcrans against Kasparud, make sure you get there a few hours early if you can to, to lap up some of this stuff because um, it starts uh, at 11, 12, 1, depending on which court you're, you're on. And, um, and it's just fantastic to watch uh, the wheelchair tennis and the, uh, the doubles events and the juniors. It's, it's great stuff. So... Uh, do have a look if you possibly can. So, Matt, another night in New York comes to an end, and we're hearing all these amazing sounds as we, we stand outside our hotel. I think it's bedtime. Um, we've had our mascot, Phoebe, of course, all week long, and uh, it's been great to have Phoebe as our mascot. Matt has got uh, the dearly departed Gerald. I have got Darwin. Catherine has got Carter. I didn't get my prediction right again, Matt. I keep I keep messing up by a set. I said three sets for Svantec, and it's so close. I also said three sets. We doubted the finals record of Iga Svantec. At least you thought she would win the tournament from the start. That, that's quite a good little uh, moment for me, isn't it? I might get I might get a good old boost in the uh, the main year long prediction standing. So fantastic. Um, we have also got uh, Billie Jean King and Alana Kloss who sponsor Billie Jean the dog. We have got our executive producers, Carl Weingartner and Chris Albert Lee, our top blokes. Um, anybody else I'm forgetting, Matt? Don't think so. And we'll, and we'll save shout-outs for another, another night. Another night when we're not standing by the side of the road. <laughs> <laughs> this has been one of the weirder podcasts. It has, but it's entertaining. I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it too. And don't forget, you can enter our Australian Open competition to win a trip to to the Australian Open. I haven't even been drinking. Um, And uh, that's, well, okay, I've had the one, two beers. Two beers, two beers law, 
yes, has been out in force. Um, and uh, yeah, you can win a trip to the Australian Open with AO Travel. Uh, they have been our sponsors, fantastic sponsors of ours uh, throughout the US Open. Um, they're also going to fly us to the, the Australian Open, which is, which is fantastic. So we'll be able to bring you daily shows when we're out there as well. Um, yeah, make sure you go and have a look at what they've got to offer because uh, it's, what, what's good about it, I think, is that you can just go to the one place, faff-free, They'll sort out your flights, they'll sort out your accommodation, they'll sort out your tickets, they'll make nice experiences happen for you. Um, and uh, yeah, and you could be going to the Australian Open with them, and, and that's if you don't win our competition. And if you're a friend of the podcast, you might. So become a friend, and you'll also get access to all of our additional podcasts. We're going to be recording another one um, next week, which will be a review of this tournament. I'm even, I'm even working on Matt. You haven't heard it yet. I'm even working on my diary, my audio diary for Friends of the Tennis Podcast here at the US Open. I love a David audio diary because I get to be like a friend of the tennis podcast and listen to it having not heard it. And it's always a treat. Oh, thank you very much. You haven't heard it yet. I think this one's rubbish. No, it's not rubbish. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying making it and I'm going to continue finishing it off tomorrow. So that's for tomorrow. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you for all. We've had loads of lovely messages. Thank you for everybody for your support and for particularly those of you that are friends of the Tennis Podcast because that's how we've got here. I mean, yes, we, we've had some help from AO Travel as well, but um, you basically keep the show on the road. So thank you so much. Um, enjoy the final day of the US Open and we will be back with you after play tomorrow. See you then.